The Book Nook on WYSO is presented by the Greene County Public Library with additional support from Clark County Public Library, Dayton Metro Library, Washington Centerville Public Library, and Wright Memorial Public Library. Welcome to Book Nook on WYSO. I'm Vic McCunis. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the program today Don Winslow. He's got a new novel out. It's called City on Fire. Welcome back, Don. Thanks for having me, Vic. Don, uh, this is the first book in a trilogy, and uh, it's set in Rhode Island, and it's based on, on some real events. Uh, aren't you originally from Rhode Island? I am. I am. I was. Uh, I grew up, or, or failed to, depending on your perspective, uh, in a little uh, fishing village in the southern part of Rhode Island. Rhode Island, of course, being a very tiny state. So, yeah, it's the first time I've come home with a book, first time I've written about it. And this is um, based on a real story, apparently. Something inspired you that really happened. Well, you know... Yeah, inspired is more the word. It's it's based more on kind of an era. When I was growing up there, the the you know mafia and the Irish mobs and various types were were kind of always at war. And so while the incidents in this book aren't necessarily you know drawn from actual incidents, some are. Uh, it, it's really more about that kind of era and you know and what went on in those days. Yeah. And a pretty woman was the. The basis for this feud that actually happened mm-hmm. um that actually happened as it does in the book at a beach party and um you know it, it struck me as a, a helen of troy kind of incident you know that touched off a, a 10-year war that cost i want to say something like 40 lives down the line and so i was fascinated by that and fascinated by and i remembered some of it you know and I was fascinated by the sort of connection between one of the world's oldest written stories, the Iliad, and contemporary crime. And that's uh, Homer, the Iliad. Homer's Iliad, exactly. And, and Virgil's, Virgil's Aeneid uh, and the Odyssey and, and a lot of the Greek and Roman classics. And, and the more I was reading them, the more I was struck by the parallels between them and and real things that have happened in in the world of contemporary crime and so i i wanted to see could i write a crime novel or novels in the case of this trilogy that stand on their own as crime novels you can read them without any reference whatsoever to the classics but that borrow from those ancient stories and themes and characters so in a way what we've got here is winslow homer just kidding <laughs> that I had not thought of that. That's hysterical. Thank you. Yeah, you made my day. <laughs> Don Winslow joins us. Speaking of the correctional institution, uh, you've got some characters in this story who are living in the correctional institution, and some other ones who probably yep. should be there. Uh, this is set in the mid '80s. Uh, set yeah. set this up for us. Well, you know, it's about um, two rival criminal syndicates the Irish and the Italians in New England, who were allies for a long time. And they had a falling out, as you alluded to, over an incident over a beautiful woman. But that's 
really a pretext. You know, all of these wars are always about turf, money, and power. And so the the Italians use this, the mafia uses this as a as a pretext to go to war and take the Irish racketeering and and dock rackets, you know, away. And uh, I've got this guy Danny Ryan, who you'll follow through three books, who starts off as sort of a foot soldier uh, and a pretty decent guy, but then is forced to become a leader and and do some indecent things. And that's kind of the book. And we like Danny. Even though he's a he's a criminal, we like him. Mm-hmm. Are we going to keep liking him, or is he going to turn nasty? I think you're going to keep liking oh, him. Okay. Um, I like him. If that makes any difference, uh-huh. uh, you know, I, I, Danny's a fundamentally decent guy, and he, he I think he retains that fundamental decency through these three books. He's a poignant character. You know, I don't I don't want to give too much away, but there's a, a soulfulness and a sorrow to him. Uh, but also this kind of incredible drive to to live and and to raise his family, and so uh, yeah, I think you're going to like Danny uh, throughout the next fifteen to twenty years of of his life. You're listening to ninety one point three WYSO, connecting our community through news, music, and storytelling on the air and online. My guest is Don Winslow. His new one is City on Fire. And uh, this has been a long time coming. Uh, this book was supposed to come out a year ago, and, and that darn mm-hmm. pandemic slowed it all down. But you, you are going on a mega book tour for this, aren't you? <laughs> I am. I think it's 23 cities in 23 days. <laughs> and, and you're going to so be that, in the Cleveland area. I'm going to be at Cleveland, I think, at the library, right? The Parma branch of the library. Yeah, mm-hmm. looking forward to it. And that's uh, May 1st? For those of you May first, May Day, yeah. Who, who, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so tell us some more about the story without giving anything away. Uh, we we have this feud, and and we've got a couple of characters: one in the Irish family, and one in the uh, Italian family, who are who are kind mm-hmm. of despicable. <laughs> yeah, you know, in reading about the Trojan Wars, you know what you, what you're looking at is really a war between two households. The royal family of Troy, Paris's family, you know, and and uh, and the Menelaus and Agamemnon, the house of Agamemnon, which are the Italians in this book. And so, you've got the Moretti brothers in this book, the the, the wannabe leaders of the Italian mob. They're sort of at the next level down and, and trying to to earn their way up, and and they're going after Danny and his friends. But again, you know, they all started as buddies. When this this book opens, they're all partying together and hanging out together. And and again, I found that to be kind of particularly poignant, you know, and, and as does Danny, you know, is, is tremendously sad that now these old friends have become enemies. You also, there are women in the book, you know, um, and I think, I hope, really interesting and powerful women. Danny's mother, uh, Madeline, um, you know, who's really literally drawn from a goddess, who's become this very powerful uh, uh, investment person with millions of dollars and comes in to try to rescue her son. And then another young woman named, named Cassandra, uh, you know, who has, as did her namesake, the gift of prophecy, Mm. who, who's trying to tell these guys, don't do this. Don't do this. Trying to warn them, you know, about what they're doing. So, yeah, uh, that, that, Again, that's about what I can say about the book without giving too much away and spoiling it for people. And there's a truce 
an uneasy truce between these families. Mm-hmm. They've kind of got the the rackets split up. Certain rackets go with the Irish. Certain rackets go with the Italians. And, and the thing that really messes this all this whole relationship up is drugs. Yep. Yeah, you know, um, in writing about the 1980s, but in taking a story from the Iliad, although the Trojan horse is not actually in the Iliad, it's in the Aeneid, uh, I had to come to grips with what would a Trojan horse be oh. <laughs> in 1987 in Rhode Island? Uh-huh. You know, what what would a group willingly bring in that would ultimately destroy them? Obviously, it can't be a wooden horse. That's just stupid. So uh, it took me quite a while to come up with it. And then I thought heroin, and it's just a coincidence that the nickname for heroin back in the 1980s on the East Coast was horse. Ah, I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Your pacing in in this is just, this thing just moves. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you know, listen, I mean, I, I, I want the reader to be turning the page always. And there are a few little scenes I kind of want to linger on and, and slow down and savor a little bit. But for the most part, yeah, I, I want to drive that story, you know, so that, that people stay with me and, and they're waiting for the next book. Don Winslow joins us today. His new one is City on Fire, held up for a year and just now coming out. And uh, we're airing this uh, interview right after the publication date. I had you on uh, a number of years ago for Satori, yeah. uh, had you on for The yep. Force, had you on for Broken, and it's been really great to watch as your career has just exploded here uh, over the last number of years. I mean, you've just, you've really taken off and, and gotten an incredible audience going, and I understand uh, this book has already been optioned for a movie. Yeah, it's actually been purchased for film, and uh, or films, uh, I guess. Yeah, uh, that happened, boy, over a year ago, I guess. Well, no, just about a year ago. Yeah, so that's exciting, you know, and um, I'm really interested to see what they do with it. I assume the second book's already written then. The second and the third Uh, book are already written. Wow. (laughs) The... uh, one of the few positive things I can think about COVID, you know, uh, not to be glib, but is that, you know, it, it, as it did with all of us, locked me down. And so I sat and wrote the next two books. I just sent the third one in uh, Friday. Congratulations. Thank you very much. What are you going to do now? Oh, I don't know. Take naps. <laughs> 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 okay. All right. Watch bad TV. Out of, you know. So, so you're a sur- you're a surfer. Did you surf in Rhode Island? I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is listen. People laugh when you say that. You know, particularly out here in California. But uh, yeah, we get a few waves. You know, and I'm not a very good surfer. So <laughs> um, yeah, I, I surf out there. Okay. Got a couple of boards at the house there. We live a mile from the beach there. So it's, it's, you know, it's easy. Well, I think it's great that you have gone back to the classics to inspire you to create the storyline. And that doesn't happen very often in uh, crime novels. We don't see that. Uh, James Lee Burke is one exception. I think J- James Lee Burke goes back to the 
the classics like the Song of Roland and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The bi- right. the Bible, the, the stuff yes. really influences his his settings and his plots. What is it about these classics that that you felt compelled to to create stories based on these? This is kind of new for you to do, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's totally total departure for me. Um, look, I mean, the classics are classics for a reason. They they've lasted this long because they speak about universal and eternal human themes of courage and cowardice, of loyalty and betrayal, love and lust, uh, revenge versus mercy and compassion. Those are, are themes that are timeless. And, and you know, we, we see them when we read the classics, but we see them when we watch the evening news, you know? So I, I think that they, they do have a timeless appeal to people because they just completely connect to our humanity. And so th- these next two books are going to take us up to 2000. Uh, what, what's your time frame? Uh, I want to say 1998. Hmm. Uh, yeah, the second book will take us to Hollywood, oh. although there'll still be scenes in Rhode Island because I follow all the characters. But Danny will end up in Hollywood for reasons I don't want to tell you right now. Uh, and then book three is in Las Vegas. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'm going to guess that, that you enjoy reading Mario Puzo. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, it's as great a film as The Godfather, or Godfathers were, uh, we forget how great that novel was. And he, you know, and how groundbreaking it was at the time. And he wrote a lot of great novels. That's the one he I think did. people remember. But. Yeah, yeah, but but yeah, he had a he had a you know a terrific body of work. Absolutely, you know. And that's the thing. I mean, um, the the crime genre. Uh, this is self serving, but I, I think it's some of the best writing going. You know, and 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 you and I could could sit here on this phone and and name name after name and work after work that we admire and enjoy, and you know. Um, so I, I'm, you know, I'm really honored uh, to be in that genre. So name a couple. Oh my gosh! Uh, well, you know, uh, George Higgins, mm. uh, the Friends of Eddie Coyle. I think the best crime book ever written. And and also, I think the best crime movie ever made. Uh, James Elroy, mm. you know, with the USA Underworld trilogy and others, you know, the, um, the L.A. Confidential and and that series, the incomparable Elmore Leonard, mm-hmm. you know, the late late great Elmore Leonard. Um, boy, you know, so many people. Charles Williford, of course, Raymond Chandler. Oh. Yeah, who's still, you know, kind of maybe the saint, you know, the patron saint of what we do. I don't think any of us exist uh, in this profession without Chandler. You know, and I listen. I could go on and on and on, and there are a lot of contemporaries. Um, you're you're not going to find a better novel than than Dennis Lehane's of a given day. Mm. You know, um, so uh, again, you know, I, I I sometimes hesitate to to sort of give these examples because. You're perforce are going to leave people out who should not be left out. Uh, but, you know, um, so many people to read. 
I only discovered Charles Williford in the last few years. Otto Penzler turned me on to him. What, what oh, is a, that right? Sure. Yeah, what an amazing, amazing guy, and a, a career cut tragically short. And, and uh, yes. I, I just want to ask what you think about one more. I know you've read this one, uh, The Last Good Kiss by James Crumley. Oh, well, please. I mean, Crumley was unique, you know, um, and also, you know, too short a career and too short a life. But I, I loved, loved that book. Absolutely loved that book. I came on that book before um, I was published, you know, and so he was a, a big influence on me. And, you know, you go to Europe and Crumley's a demigod. Mm. You know, he's much better known. I mean, if you, if you bring up Crumley in, in France, you know, they're in love with him and know him well and, you know, unfortunately better than he's known here. Well, recently, Don, I've tracked down copies of... Uh... A Cool Breeze on the Underground, uh, The Trail to oh, Bullet's wow. Mirror, uh, Way Down on uh -huh. the High Lonely, because I wanted to see how you wrote way back when. Yeah. How have what you changed? You how have you changed in your view, in, in your writing? Oh, man, I, I hope I'm better, you know. I, I hope you get better instead of worse. Uh, I, I think in terms of subject and theme, though, I think I've changed a lot. You know, when I, I first started in this field, I had no clue what I was doing. You know, I've never had a writing class, for instance, but I was reading, you know, Lawrence Block, who I should have mentioned earlier. And and, and so I, I really thought, well, the, the way you do this is, you know, you find the main character and you do a series, which I did for the first five books that you just mentioned. Uh, I think as I went on, though, I as much as I love that series genre, you know, that Robert Parker did so well. And, you know, you mentioned James Lee Burke is fantastic. Uh, I, I wanted to take on different subjects mm -hmm. and I wanted to kind of write larger books still, but very much within the crime genre, you know, so I eventually ended up tackling, you know, the Mexican drug cartels and, and the New York police department. So I think I've changed in that regard. My guest is Don Winslow. His new one is City on Fire, and he's going to be in the Cleveland area. He's on this big book tour, and he's going to be at the uh, Cuyahoga County Library of Parma branch, May 1st, 3 p.m., if you're in the area. He's uh, hitting the road finally after they, they shut you down a year ago when you were going to go on a big tour, right? They've shut me down twice. Uh, what I did, this, this you mentioned Broken, you know, his book of novellas came out, and the next day the country shut down. Uh, I don't have the ego to think it was as a response to Broken. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, we were going to go out with this book last September, and then, you know, another wave of COVID hit, and we decided, now we'll we'll wait so that I could go out, you know, and, and see people and and say thank you to readers and booksellers and, you know, libraries and all of that. So, yeah, here we go. Don, you are so supportive of uh, other writers. I think the only guy I could compare you to is Lee Child, who is constantly helping out other writers. And, and I've and had, Including me, by the way, yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah. he's so generous with his praise. And, and you are yeah. constantly, I look at your Twitter feed, you are constantly... Mm -hmm propping up other writers and saying, you need to read this book, you need to read this book, and, and I have been turned on to so many things by what you've done and, and interviewed. Oh, I'm glad. I'm yeah. Glad. I, I've interviewed Eric Rickstead, Lou Burney, uh, mm -hmm. Steve Hamilton, Meg Gardner, yeah. uh, Adrian McKinty. I even had Blake yeah. Bailey on before it all blew up. And, and yep. <laughs> I'm getting ready to interview a writer named Dervla McTiernan. 
oh, you're going to have a good time. I understand you're doing an event with her. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember exactly where it is. I think it's online um, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it is online, and yeah. I don't quite recall. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. She's a, a terrific writer and a terrific person, you know. All those people are, by the way. You know, Lou and and, and Steve and, you know, Adrian. I I love them as writers, and Meg, I love them as writers. I really like them as people as well, you know, and, and, and that means something, you know. Uh, I, I just, I, I, like, I like them, and I like what they do, so it's, it's fun that we support each other. I am reading The Murder Rule right now by Daryl McTiernan. What can you tell me about her? I, I think she's from Ireland originally, but she lives in Australia, and this book— Yeah, I think— I think that's right. Yep. And, you know, she's she's had a, you know, uh, interesting life and it has not always been easy. Oh. Uh, and I think that that has, you know, in ways that that always does built up a, a character and a strength and a compassion in her uh, that that I value, you know. So, um, yeah, you, you're going to that you will like each other. Well, this new book is set in the United States, and, and I was impressed because if I hadn't known reading it that the author wasn't from the United States, it's kind of like Lee Child. He's really good at convincing you that this is an American writer. <laughs> right, from North London, yeah. Yeah. Um, listen, Daryl is a smart person, man. You know, um, I, I'm convinced she can write anything, so I'm not surprised you had that reaction. Well, I'm enjoying it, and I'm looking forward to talking to her there apparently going to bring her over here for a short tour. I think that's right. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Yeah. And that's when you're going to do an event with her. And I imagine if uh, folks went on Twitter, they could figure that out. That's the only social media that I follow, Don. I don't know if you're on other social media, but man, you sure are on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you're very active. You're, you're very outspoken about politics and you have your own mm -hmm. film thing that you're doing with these hard-hitting short films. Do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, a little bit. You know, look, um, we, and I say we, my, my agent and friend and partner Shane Salerno and I, you know, made some decisions a number of years ago. We took out an ad, for instance, a full-page ad in the Washington Post advocating an end to the war on drugs. And, and later on, we took out an ad in the New York Times um, advocating prison and sentencing reform uh, in opposition to what Trump and his Weasley attorney general at the time were doing. Uh, but in 2016, you know, we looked around the country, we looked at what was happening, and we decided that whatever platform, you know, that I had, and I'm not a big name, you know, uh, that we would use that to, to speak out against things that we perceived as being very wrong. And uh, and to say these things in very plain language, sometimes harsh language, unapologetically harsh language, uh, and to use our skills as storytellers and Shane's skills as filmmaker, uh, tell some stories and and hope that that people responded. Um, I'm shocked to tell you that uh, we've had 250 million views on those videos that you mentioned. And, and so I, I think they have had some impact. Well, I enjoy them, and I learn a lot from them. And I also share a sense of frustration. When, when I, 
I read what you're saying about this committee that's supposed to be looking into what happened on January 6th, 2021, and just how there's just nothing happening. It's just, it's so upsetting. It is. You know, what should be happening, of course, is what happened after Watergate. Uh, we should be having public hearings with witnesses sworn in under oath and, and televised. And people should be subpoenaed to come and testify under oath. If you compare Watergate with what Nixon tried to do with what Trump tried to do, Nixon's a misdemeanor. Mm -hmm. You know, Trump and his, you know, coterie of mewling baboons tried to overthrow the democratically elected government of this country. Mm. We all saw it. We all saw it. We all heard it. Mm -hmm. And and so it's it's beyond frustrating. You know, it's it's scary and it's scary because unless we take decisive action, unless we say there are consequences to these things, it's going to happen again. Yeah. And where is our John Dean? <laughs> well, you got to call John Dean and make him testify before you get a John Dean. True. I've had him on the you show know? a couple times. and uh, Have you? Yeah. yeah. Well, Don, I know you've got another interview, and you're probably running late because we started right. off late. Yep. So I'm going to let you go, okay. Don, but it's so All nice right. to talk to you. And thank Always you so nice much. To talk with you, sir. And we have just a few extra minutes there. Don had to run, so I want to read you just a little bit from his new book. Here's an excerpt. It's freezing on the beach. Freaking October and already cold. Wind blowing out of the north. The whitecaps look like the beards of sad old men. Even in his heavy peacoat, Danny shivers and stamps his feet, waiting for Peter Moretti to show up. Finally, a car pulls in the parking lot, and Danny sees O'Neill and Viola get out. Check to make sure that Danny is alone. They must be satisfied because Peter gets out of the car and walks onto the beach. Camel hair coat, but bareheaded because he's always been vain about his hair and won't mess it up with a hat. Danny, he has a wool toque on because blank vanity. It's good to see that Peter feels the cold, though. Good to see him shiver. We couldn't have done this at the North Pole, Peter asks, if anyone saw me with you. I was beginning to wonder, Peter says. It's been, what, almost two weeks? I've been busy, Danny says, glaring at him. Funerals and wakes, Peter shrugs. War is over. The blank did you think I was going to do? You wanted this war, Danny says. You want the docks, the rest of the Murphy operation. Let's talk in the car, Peter says. Good heater in that thing. I like it out here, Danny says. And Cagney and Lacey over there take one step toward us. I'll shoot you in the gut. So why did you want to meet me, Danny? Because you're going to win, Danny says. Peter nods graciously, smug, blanking smile on his face. See, this is what I mean. The Murphys always underestimated you. You're smarter than any of them. Here's what I want, Danny says. One... The Ryan part of the business comes back to my father and me, like you said, with me in the corner office. Two, nobody touches my father. Not now, not ever. Is there a three? Pat Murphy gets a pass. No blanking way, Peter says. 
Go enjoy your heater. Be reasonable, Peter says. Even if I was to give Pat a pass, he wouldn't take it. You know him. He won't stop coming. I admire it, frankly, but give him a pass after what the Murphys did to my brother? Forget it. And that is an excerpt from the new Don Winslow novel. It's called City on Fire, and it is smoking hot. And you heard about it on the Book Nook on WYSO for the Book Nook. I'm Vic McEwnis.